sinner being baptized, it's a picture of like them identifying with the death of Christ in place of their sins going under the waters, like the death, the burial. You go under the water, it's a picture of the burial where Jesus was buried. And he, when they come up out of the water, it's a picture of the new life, him being raised. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he was our he, he foreshadowed for us what was to come in our own life. That in him, this life is not all there is. There's more to this, you know, than just this life. We'll live with him in eternity for those who know him, invited him to their him into their lives. So if you're on the fence still and you want to talk about that, um, you can come talk to me, one of our staff members, to clarify. There will still be a little bit of time, and so the baptism will happen about 15 minutes after service. We've got one guy that's going to just, in his own clothes, he's going to be baptized. So um, if you want to do that, just make sure you empty, you know, cell phones and stuff like that out, and it'll all dry. So not a big deal. So we'll have extra towels ready. So. I wanted to announce some new members. We have a handful of new members, and so if I mention your name, would you stand and remain standing? Uh, Greta Anderson, Andrew and Sam Carruthers, Katie Cusack, Jeanette Diaz, Tatiana Fontes, Shelby Goss, Rachel Lopez, Christina Machuca, Ashley McElhaney, Kelsey Newton, Amanda Sparling, Ben Sparling, uh, Courtney Watson, and Chelsea Wilson. And so if you are here, and you're one of those, great, you're standing. Um, I want to tell you a little about, for everyone else, membership for us is where people decide they want to band together with us in accomplishing the mission that Christ has given us as a local church. So they've committed to our values, which we have seven values that are basically like New Testament commands for followers of Christ. So these people have said, you know, I want to... Um, I want to commit to those values along with others in our church. Make a commitment to the way I relate to people. God really cares about the way we have, that we handle our relationships. And so part of those decisions are relational commitments. And then there's organizational commitments they've made as well as far as serving and giving and, and being um, a team player as well. And so just these group of people right here, I'm really excited for all of you that you have decided to go through that process. They took a four-hour class. And then they did some response time on their own, met with one of our leaders. And so um, just welcome you guys. We're encouraged you guys to decide to band with us. And uh, I'd like to pray for you. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this group. Lord, we're so grateful Lord, that you continue to work in our lives and that you lead us to make spiritual commitments that make a real difference in the shaping of our lives over the course of our lives. So Lord, I thank you for this group who've taken a bold step to commit to something, God, to a local church. We know that the church is very precious, God. You, you, churches are so precious to you. And you want us to plug into them. You want us to protect them and be unified within them. And so, God, we thank you for this group that has made that decision and then also publicly just to be a part of um, OCC. I pray you use them, God, within our body to, to minister, to provide a level of care, to join with us into reaching. Uh, people who um, do not know you, I pray you use this group of people to serve and use their gifts and, and to really share life with people in, in, in our church, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom and, and building your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We commit this time to you, our message. We pray you'd open up our hearts and minds to um, your Holy Spirit as it teaches us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's... Cool. Um, we have 
I know some of these, some of the students, I would say, that attend our church will probably be, this might be their last Sunday or the next few weeks might be their last Sunday because it's school year's over and so we, we have a bunch of people that will be heading home and so we'll see you all in September and some of you guys, I know, so will not be here in the next few weeks. So, well, we're looking at work. We're talking about what happens at work and we deal with a handful of issues at work and one of the most challenging parts of work is people. The fact that we have to deal with other people. It'd be nice if we didn't have to interact with others, but since we do, it makes work often really difficult. And so, um, I was on a construction site in college, first day of work, and I was, got there real early, I was told to show up right when the sun was rising, it was around six in the morning, and people were just getting there, and, and the owner of the company was introducing me to a few of the other workers on the site, and he said, hey, you're gonna be working with a guy named Billy, he's not here yet. And when he said Billy, I noticed the body language of everyone kind of, you know, like, uh, something's coming. So, you know, a few minutes later, Billy arrives, rolls in, um, try to introduce myself to Billy, not much for small talk. And now I see, okay, this guy's a little bit um, grumpy, to say the least. And, and so I'm asking questions, I'm trying to learn, so I've never done this before. I honestly looked really goofy. I had to borrow... <laughs> A kid's tool belt, I'll just admit it. <laughs> I felt really stupid. I saw, like, my tool belt's a lot smaller than everybody else's. So I got, the next day, I got a real tool belt. But, um, you know, but I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm asking Billy, Billy, what, what do I need to do? And he's like, you can just tell he's frustrated already. He's got to explain things to the new rookie on, on the job. And, and so he explains very quickly what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm trying to remember, and I realize I don't even know what a stud is. A stud is like the standard length board, and I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. And so he's like, you grab some studs, you do this, and I'm like, all right, trying to follow. And so I do what he's saying. I'm laying out stuff on the floor like he told me, and then he starts eventually nailing things together, and we raise this wall, and he realizes that I laid it out incorrectly. It's supposed to be a door where there's a window. I, I did something wrong, and he lets me have it. He just starts cussing me out. And he's just like frustrated, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. And he's just not letting me like make it right. He's just gonna make me pay, and I'm just like, oh, this is not gonna work. And I'm really frustrated at this point. I'm like, I don't need to put up with this. Like, go get a different job. I'll go get a better job. At the same time, I really needed the money, so I went home super frustrated. And I went to my dad, and I was like, told him the whole story. And he's like, you know, Josh, I've had a lot of those types of scenarios. And he said, why don't we pray for Billy? I was like, the last thing I wanted to do for Billy at that moment was pray. And uh, he's like, no, really, I, I think we've got to pray for Billy. And then when you get up in the morning, on, on your way down the, you know, down the hill to work site, just start praying for him. Pray that you could encourage him. Pray that you could be a help to him. If, if you're sort of supposed to, he's supposed to be teaching you, you might as well, you know. And he's like, and just try to be kind. He says, I always try to kill people with kindness that are really harsh. Um, again, that's not exactly what I was wanting to do. And... Uh, but see, at work, we almost always deal with difficult coworkers, difficult bosses, we deal with critics, and so we're going to look at the different levels of, of interaction that we have, because this struggle is nothing new. Um, you're going to deal with difficult people on the job, and our attitudes really get put to the test, and one of the things that we don't realize on the job is that oftentimes when we're having difficulty, it's really about us needing to grow than it is about us trying to change the other person. God is often trying to just shape us and train us through difficulty on the job. And so we're going to look at this idea. It's at the top of your outline. Rough relationships present a daily opportunity to choose faith. 
Rough relationships on the job, it's just this opportunity every day for me to choose faith. Faith is something that is critical for the Christian life. And so, faith is an attitude that is key to being able to handle life and all the different arenas that we face. It's, faith is one attitude that God says He promises to bless. If we'll choose faith, He promises to bless a life of faith, choices that resemble faith. Oftentimes when we hear the word bless or blessing, we think of flashy TV preachers promising things that they're probably not going to be able to deliver. And so we don't know what the word blessing means, but blessing simply means the tangible or intangible favor of God. The tangible thing, tangible and intangible favor of God on our lives. Faith leads to blessing. It's the Old Testament promise, God promises to bless faith. And so it doesn't mean that you won't experience trouble, but it means in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pressure, you can choose faith and God can still, His favor can still rest upon you. Faith brings God's blessing. And it involves two things. You see this in your outline also. Faith involves both fearing God and then trusting God. Two things. It's like two sides to a coin. The first side is fearing God. If you fear God, what it means is you take God seriously enough to stay in balance. He said, here's the way I want you to live. The way He guides us to His boundaries is it's found in the Bible. He's communicated. This is how life really works. This is how I want you to live. I want you to build a life upon this as your foundation. This sets the framework, the guardrails to keep your life safe. Guardrails for heading up the hill. That's what keeps us from bouncing, you know, from flying off the hill, right? Well, this provides the framework or the guardrails, the boundaries for our life. And so someone who chooses to fear God, it means they live within these boundaries out of deep reverence and respect for the God who set the boundaries. They believe that God is real. They believe that God really exists and that He can really intervene in our lives if we step out of bounds. We often think, well, God just fell asleep. He created everything and He fell asleep. He's in heaven. One day He'll wake up. But the reality is if you fear God, it means you believe that He's interacting with our world. He's interacting with us. Our faith is very interactive. And so when we stay in bounds, when we live in bounds... God interacts with us in that way. When we step out of bounds, there's consequences. So the person who fears God, they stay in bounds. And trusting God means that you, you put your full confidence in Him while you wait for the outcome. That's what it means to trust God. To put my full confidence in what God has said. If I'll stay within these boundaries, I'm going to trust that... I'm going to fully put my confidence in the fact that if I stay within these boundaries, you'll bring about the outcome you desire. And I'll wait on that. It may take a while, but I'll wait. Look at what the writer of Hebrews said about faith. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without it. What that means is that right now, if you're having to exercise real faith in your dealings with others at work, at home, it pleases God. If, it, if going to work requires faith, that means you going to work actually pleases God. If you going to work requires no faith at all and you just skate through life and just everything's... Man, you, there's nothing that you have to trust God in. That's, that doesn't really please Him. He wants us to have this edge of faith on our lives. And so being in difficulty is not something that God wants you to, to run from. He actually uses difficulty to shape the course of our life. Most of us would pre- rather prefer a predictable work environment, what's called the sight path. Opposite of faith is sight, where we just were in control, we see everything, we know what's going to go down, we don't really have to trust God. We have just kind coworkers. everyone's encouraging each other on the job. Oh, you need some help with that? Oh, let me help you. 
you know, come over. Oh, you need some help picking that up? Let me carry that for you. We want generous bosses who are giving raises and encouragement weekly. You know, that's, that's what we would sign up for. That's the site path. You know, you, you didn't do anything, but you showed up. You got a raise. Congratulations. That's what we would choose. Or just no harsh critics. We kind of want pleasant work environments. Kind of like Disneyland. In my mind, you've been to Disneyland. You walk into Disneyland. Everyone's smiling, singing, playing horns. Got those hats on. And they're just, you're, they're happy to see you. Hi. They're calling you by your name. You have a button on. And, you know, every, that's the work environment I think we would all prefer to, to, to live. But the reality is, we have something that's drastically different with different kinds of people. And Paul said, one of the marks of Christianity is this walk that is going to require faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith, not by sight. We're people who, who are called to live this way. So this is an overall perspective to keep in mind on the job, is that your job and difficulty is going to require faith. God's going to use it as a growing, as a shaping tool to shape your character. If you choose to just take matters into your own hands and discard the need for faith, and you go with the sight path, the easy way only, and just you keep skating around difficulty, then what we tend to do is we tend to have what's called Groundhog Day. If you ever saw that movie. You repeat the same days and weeks and months and years of your life over and over because we're not changing. We're not responding within the boundaries that God has set. We're just doing life our way in a way that makes sense. And so if you feel like, you know what, that's me. I'm living this Groundhog Day life. I'm not, nothing's changing. I keep experiencing the same things and I keep responding in the same way. I encourage you this morning to choose faith. And there's three areas that I want to look at. First area is, how do I deal with, in a faith way, how do I deal with my coworkers? You have lazy, incompetent, unkind coworkers, people who slack off on the job. Probably some faces and some names come to mind. Right now, don't shout them out. But the normal response for your coworkers is criticize. You know, just be criti- criticize them to their face. That's stupid. Why would you think that? Are you, are you dumb? Or like Billy did to me, just cuss them out. You know, like that's the normal response when we're having rough interaction with people. Or you gossip about them behind their back. Or you control them, which is you're trying to you're trying to manipulate the relationship for your favor. The problem is, if we're not the boss, we shouldn't be trying to control our coworkers. So these responses come very naturally. Here's another response. Here's a different. This is the faith response. Just simply trust God as you do your job. Now, it sounds so easy. Just simply trust God as you do your job. But that's what God has said. This is the boundaries. Psalm 37, verse 1 says, Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants... They will soon die away. Sometimes it can just drive you crazy when you're interacting with people who are lazy or wicked even, and you start envying. How come they're getting away with that? I'm pulling my weight, and they're slacking off. And so we start thinking, man, I want to make them pay. I want them to get what's coming to them. And we're tempted to bring the consequences that, they, that we think they deserve. But he goes on, he says, hey, hold on. For just like the grass... They will soon wither, just like the green plants that will soon die away. This is a short-lived position for those people. For those that are wicked and just choose a very self-serving, even evil course, cunning, you don't see those people thriving. Have you, can you, we probably can't like give stories of, of people who for decades treat people that way. 
and slack off on the job and are really doing well. There's not those kinds of stories because those people wither away. They're not able to hold on to work. They're not able to hold on to jobs. It's a short-lived position. They won't thrive for years. Verse 3 says, So trust in the Lord and do good. Meaning, choose faith. Work hard at your job, at your responsibilities. Work hard. Even if your coworkers aren't working hard, you do it. That's where the safety is. He goes on, he says, Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your... Far, of, of your whoa! That's, that would have been a good one. Of your heart. The recorder's broken, so nobody can claim anything. So, Verse 5 says, Commit yourself... That's, that's awesome. Verse 5, take a look. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. Now, this imagery He gives on this word commit. You guys are all having a hard time getting it together, I know. I can move on. It's easy. So. I've said worse things. So. Commit, commit, the word commit literally means roll. So it's like, roll your way. Like, it, it has to do with our emotions, the way we feel. Roll those things to God. He says, commit your way to the Lord. In a sense, roll your emotions over to God. You don't need to bear the pressure of making sure everyone does their job that's your coworker. Roll that emotion of needing to teach them a lesson. He says, roll that over to me, is what he's saying. God, rolls, God's saying, roll that to me, and then trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Meaning, He will validate your life. He will validate your work. He'll protect you. If you work hard. But let me tell you, it's not easy. When you're working and everyone's playing, that's the last thing you want to do. It almost sounds trite to just say, oh, just trust God and work hard. But that's the truth. This is the faith, this is the faith aspect of it. Is I stay in bounds. I do what I know God wants me to do. And I wait on Him. I put my full confidence in Him while He brings about the outcome. And honestly, this is not easy. Because we want answers now. We want to see outcomes now. We live in an instant world where we can get anything at our fingertips. You have a question, dial it in your phone. And so when God says, hey, I'm going to put you in this role, and it's going to take some time. You're not exactly going to see how this is all going to play out yet. We just get anxious. And so we take matters into our own hands. But the faithful person chooses to wait on God. Another difficult person to deal with is the boss. The harsh, the critical, the grumpy, the selfish boss. The one who's looking after his own needs, his own interests. The normal response is to do this. It's to blow up. It's to fight back. It's to eventually walk off the job. To tell him off to quit. To punch him in the face. To walk away. I mean, or to just tell him off. You know, I don't know what your normal would be, but, you know, let's just be honest. It's when someone's being harsh and critical to us, or when every day we know we're working hard and all they have is criticism, you know, it just naturally comes in our mind that I just want to go slug the guy. I'm going to show you a video clip that illustrates our natural response. Adam Sandler in this movie, he does what most of us men would do if we could get away with it. He has a universal remote control. You can, you can lower the lights, it's fine. You can lower the lights. I'll just, don't turn the clip on yet. But He has a universal remote control that allows him to stop or pause things, rewind, fast forward, and he can control things in his world. And so... He gets some rough interaction with his boss and allows him to pause and to take matters into his own hands as he as his boss delivers the bad news. So take a look. Hey, my new stuff. 
Congratulations. Sit down, big guy. All right. Well, I am a little tired. We, the family was up late last night celebrating. Oh, you really knocked one out of the park last night, didn't you? Hey, you were great, too. All you got to do now is draw up the construction plans and watch the heater commits to the major bulk of the funds. Looking at my new partner. I thought I was already your partner. Whoa, cowboy. I said land the Watsahita account, you'll get promoted. I didn't mean right this second. I already told my wife, sir. I spent money I don't have. To do these documents, it's going to take me months. And you better get started. <laughs> wow, I just got a big headache. Wow. Hit by a train or something? I didn't see anything. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> you see him getting heated, and he's trying to like re remain under control. Like, sir, he realized he's been wrong. But since we don't have that kind of control, that universal remote control, we better learn a different response because this won't get us anywhere on the job. Here's the faith response. There's four things. First, you bear up under it. You bear up under the harsh pressure. You bear up under the criticism. You bear up under the difficult boss. This almost seems anti-American because, again, we think all of us are entitled to a certain amount of respect and consideration on the job. And so, but then you get to some passages in Scripture, First Peter chapter two, and you, you, we, I should say, get challenged with the normal response. Because Scripture tells us we need to learn how to bear up under difficult, difficult leaders. So we get this verse, First Peter chapter two. I want you to take a look at the beginning of this. It says, "Slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect." Slaves, people in those days could voluntarily place themselves under in slavery in order to pay off a debt or in order to make sure that their needs were provided for. They wanted to make sure that they could pay their, that they could eat have a place to live, they put themselves in slavery. They'd enslave themselves in order to be provided for. And so this is the closest that we have as far as employer and employees. You know, slave master is almost equivalent to employer and employee. In those days, there was a lot of harsh mistreatment towards slaves. In our days, there's still harsh mistreatment of employees. It looks different. There are limits. But we still know there's harsh leaders. And so he says this. There's a cultural issue, but there's, don't miss the timeless principle of bearing up under harsh leadership. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. What? That just doesn't sound like it should be. What? Seriously? I, I have to stay there? I have to, to work under a heart? Yeah. So often people just quit their job. They have a harsh leader, and then they just walk off the job. They're like, I'm not gonna, I don't have to put up with this. And so they walk off the job, and what happens is they find a new job, and they meet the same guy. He's got a different head, he's got a different name, but he's the same guy. And he's harsh too. And so they're like, I'm not gonna deal with this. They walk off that job, they tell him off, they walk off that job, they get to the next place, they meet the same guy. And they're like, he looks different, but he treats me exactly the same. Well, it's because God, He shapes our life through opportunities that we have to choose faith. He places us in, in, op, in, in roles, in, in companies, in positions where we need to learn how to be good followers. 
Where we need to learn how to develop character like this, bearing up under enduring pressure. When you deal with this, it feels like you're carrying around this 50-pound weight around your neck when you're under harsh leadership. And so the, the thing we want to do is just, bloop, we just want to drop the weight off. God doesn't want pressure, is what we think. But in fact, pressure is actually a shaping tool for God and for our lives. Look how he continues. For it's commendable, meaning it really counts, if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. Our motivation is our conscious awareness of the presence of God. That, that's what motivates it. God, I, I'm aware that you're here. You're present on the job. You're with me. You're going to help me through this. Verse 20. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Endurance. To this you recall, meaning this is the kind of life you've been invited into because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Speaking of the cross now. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Every time we run from harsh leadership, we, we sometimes miss out on God's purpose through the pain, through the difficulty. We, we think, oh, I'm escaping. What's happening is God just recycles another opportunity for us to learn the lesson we're running away from. Have you ever stopped to just say, God, what are you doing through this difficult boss what are you doing through this difficult work environment rather than just jumping to the next thing have you ever stopped to just say god what are you doing through this are you trying to develop endurance in me perseverance that's actually what god is after in all of our lives endurance means to bear up under the weight until god removes it now i'm not saying you should never leave a situation next week we're going to talk about that question like when is it okay to leave scripture actually addresses the issues of uh, how to answer that question but not necessarily the first time there's harshness, or the second or third or the months of harshness. It's not necessarily your permission to leave. God may be trying to use that to shape something in your life. If you see that cycle repeating, if you keep hopping jobs, it's likely that the boss isn't the problem. It's likely that God's trying to shape something within you. Secondly, trust God with your reputation and protection. See, we're so concerned about the way we're being treated. It's just not fair. Doesn't seem fair, doesn't seem right. But look again at the example of Jesus. First Peter two twenty three says it continues that passage. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So humanly speaking, the opportunity to retaliate during Christ's arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, it was extreme, but he suffered in silence. He suffered. He committed himself to God. He set this example for us in suffering. This is how you suffer. You bear up under it. You don't have to lash out. When people insult us at work or when they say hurtful things about us on the job and you know you've done your best, you have to entrust your reputation to God. I'm going to work hard. God, I know you'll protect me. I know you'll protect my reputation. Jesus could have just threatened them with the truth. He certainly knew the truth. He knew they were lies. But when they hurled their lies and insults, he left his case in the hands of the Father. This is a powerful passage for when you're dealing with suffering. In some cases in my own life, I've seen where it's taken five years before I felt like my reputation was cleared over something I feel like I did that was right. I feel like I was in bounds and, and I just feel like I was really wrong. Five years. And in some cases I can say, I would say I'm still kind of waiting. And it's in God's hands. I've, but I've tried not to let it 
just smolder and, and weigh me down to where I can get nothing done. Just roll that back to God. Roll the emotion back to God. Of God, would you make them pay? Roll that to God. Let Him be the judge. In Rome, under one of the harshest leadership structures, Paul tells the church to do this. Respond in kindness and wait on God. Respond in kindness. Wait on God. Romans 12, verse 14, really deals with more suffering and cruel punishment. Persecution. But he says, bless those who persecute you. Rome was one of the harshest leadership structures in governments. And especially towards Christians. Bless those who persecute you. He says, bless and do not curse. Bless means pray for God's favor on them. Don't curse them. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And then if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's not always possible. That's why the verse says, if it's possible. Sometimes you can't do that. But verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends. You might want to underline that. This is a no-no. <laughs> do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, here's some practical, kind responses. For even the harsh boss. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Sometimes I feel like I need to make them pay. I want to, I want to take revenge. I want to show them what they need to, to hear. I want to tell them what they need to hear right now. But then we step across a line that God says, that's my job. There's a role that God reserves for Himself, and it's the role of judge. He's the just judge. He's the one that hands out consequences. We do not have to step across that line. My role, your role, is to show God's kindness. A couple real practical suggestions for people that are harsh with you on the job, co-workers, even bosses. You know what? Offer to, to pick up their lunch. Not, not, not to brown nose, not to, not to get in good with the boss, but in order to show kindness. Watch your motivation. We'll talk about this more next week. But just be a help. Bring an extra drink. Bring an extra snack. Bring, offer to drive. If your job requires some of that, you know, you drive. Offer to help. Off the clock. Say, hey, I'll stick around. I can help out with that. I know this project needs to get done. Offer to stick around and clean up. Off the clock. If they're having a problem, let's say the boss is there. You walk into his office and he's one of those bosses that doesn't know how electronics work. And he's like, this thing won't work. And you're just like, I love it. I love it. I love it. And you're just standing off to the side and you're like, he's finally got it. It's coming his way. And you're enjoying it. And you're like, well, look at the time. i got to go. And you realize all he needs to do is control, alt, delete. Or he just needs to do something that's simple. Well, again, respond in kindness. Respond in kindness. When it comes to your boss, the last thing is be loyal to their goals. They're the person that God has placed as the authority figure in your life. There is no authority that is accidental. God says every authority is there because God established it. Your boss, your harsh boss, is there because God ordained that for you for a season. Maybe a short season, might be a long season. But God's not fallen asleep. He's still involved be loyal to their goals. So he says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. Meaning, to voluntarily, this word subject means to voluntarily march in line. Under. Like, you're, you're, you're realizing they're in charge, I'm not. I'm going to follow the direction they said. Be subject to your masters in everything. 
to try to please them. That's the motivation. Try to please them. What would his goals be? What would her goals be? What would please my boss? Do they have sales goals? Are there certain career goals he's trying to accomplish? How can I help them? That's what. That's the faith step. And you might think, that sounds ridiculous. You don't know my boss. But that's actually what God is asking you to do. Be loyal to their goals. Not to talk back to them. Verse 10, not to steal from them. You know, keep a little back for yourself. He says, don't do that. But to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. See, God is trying to do something through us being there. Before your bail, before you bail, take a moment and ask God, God, what are you doing? What might you be up to in this place? There's another group of people you might encounter. This is less frequent than the last two. So we'll just very quickly walk through it. We'll call them the mockers. Mockers, they criticize, attack, ridicule, primarily because of your faith. This category really is because you're being persecuted religiously. You're being persecuted because of your beliefs. You've communicated that you're a Christian, you're a churchgoer, you you follow Christ, and so you pay a price because you get ridiculed. People mock you. They may label you. They may make fun of you. They may challenge you. Would a churchgoer do that? Would a Christian do that? Maybe if you totally did something wrong and they saw it, you know, man, I shouldn't have done that. And they rub it in your face. They start mocking you. Wow. Would a Christian do that? I wonder how God feels about that. How, how do you deal with that? Or maybe they keep score and they keep rubbing it in your face when, when they see things in your life. They see pressure in your life. Wow. Where is God now? Here, here's what God would say about... Well, the normal response is first is just demand your rights and demand fair treatment. You know, we naturally think, well, that's not fair. He can't talk to me like that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to put up with that. I'm going to go file a complaint with HR or I'm going to go call Larry H. Parker. He's going to fight for me. Or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call on my buddy and he's going to, you know, or I'm going to go talk about the boss, or, you know, or, or I'm going to go talk about that guy. Or, you know, we, we want to, again, Demand, this is what I deserve. But there's a different response than just demanding your rights. Give honor to God when you suffer. That's the, that's the new response. Give honor to God when you suffer for your faith. Particularly when you suffer because you're a Christian. Let that be an opportunity for you to honor God. Peter knew that he was going to die. He was told by Jesus, you're going to suffer and you're going to die as a martyr. He was crucified upside down as a martyr because of his faith. He says this, if you were insulted because of the name of Christ, really key passage. He says, if you've ever been insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. There's, there's a blessing there. God's favor rests on you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. The word Christian there, it was... An insulted insult. It was a term that was an insult. It only shows up one of three times. This is one of three places where you find the word Christian in the New Testament. This was an insult. He says, if you suffer as a Christian, praise God, you bear that name. This is one of the highest honors. That's what he's saying. According to Jesus, this type of suffering is to be counted as a privilege. Not a penalty. This is an honor. And then the instruction is not to take the honor upon yourself, but to give it all to God. Just thank God. You don't need to make a public spectacle so everybody hears it. But just quietly voice a prayer. God, thank you. 
God, thank you that I represent you here. I am going to continue to work hard for you. And then last, continue to persevere in doing what's right. Continue to persevere. 1 Peter 4.19 So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Literally, it means deposit your soul to your Creator. He's just saying, just trust your soul back to God. God, you're in charge. You're in control. I trust you through this. I'll choose faith. You are certainly free to find a less hostile job. You can pray. You can search for new employment. You have that option. But in the meantime, while you are there, evaluate if God has you there for a purpose. And if you decide, yep, I think God's trying to do something to me, then trust Him as you work hard. As, you, as you're careful, swallow your pride. As you're careful with the words that come out of your mouth. I need to invite the band to come up. I know the AC is really not working today, so it's set by the uh, city of Riverside, and so um, they control it from like City Hall Monday through Friday. So we're on the weekend AC hours, I guess. So we'll get the word to them to maybe cool it down next week for us. So Jesus said this. He said, "You, for those of you who follow Christ, he said, you are salt and light. You're the salt of the earth." What he's done is he's, he's kind of sprinkled followers, his followers around in different jobs, in different neighborhoods, on different sports teams, amongst different friends, in different schools. People that follow Christ, he said, you're the salt of the earth. I have you there for a reason. I want people to encounter the real God as they interact with you, who, who follow the real God. And as people encounter the salt, that, that God flavor, that God flavored life, They see something, they experience something very different that draws an unbelieving world to investigate who is this God that that person follows. I've been trashing him, I've been treating him harshly, but they're responding very, very different than I would. And that grows over time into curiosity. It leads many people. In fact, there are probably people that are sitting in this room today because of a coworker or because of a friend who just did life differently. And, And it made a difference in your own life. And now you're investigating. And so if that's you, you know, we, we have that opportunity to be salt in this world. Take out that white connection card. On the back side, you'll see these next steps. There's just three of them on the back left. It says, pick a rough relationship and begin working God's plan or clear up any damage you've caused at work or go the extra mile for your boss, your coworker. In a moment, our ushers are going to come around. Maybe check one of those boxes. And just say, God, what's that one thing you want me to do today just to respond to this message? It might not be one of these three. Maybe it's something else. But just write something down in response to what you feel like you need to do today. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness. God, you are faithful, God. You never change. Lord, we can live with full confidence in you, knowing that you will bring about all the outcomes you desire for our lives. We can delight ourselves in you and following you and doing things that please you and living in a way that's very different than this world. All because you're good, you're faithful. You will not rip us off if we'll follow you. So God, I pray that this week, Monday, as we head into work, Lord, I pray that we would have a different perspective with our coworkers, with the critics, with the boss. Lord, that we would choose faith, to live within the boundaries that you've set. These principles, these verses, Lord, these are your boundaries. This is, you said, don't go any further than this. This is the way I want you to live as my people, representing me on your job. Lord, help us to take that very seriously this week. We love you. 
we need your help. God, none of this is possible on our own. We can't just muster up the strength to change. So, Lord, we need your power through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Lord, I pray for those that do not know you. I pray that you continue to lead them to a point where they surrender their life to follow you, Lord. We also thank you for a chance to give back to you, Lord, as we give in our offering time. We thank you for how generous you've been with us, Lord. As we give back to you, may it be a true representation of our desire to just entrust all things to you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our ushers are going to come up and they're going to receive the offering. And make sure you drop this white card in there as well and just let them to let us know that you were here. Any questions, make sure they're on there.